You are listening to the Star Coach Podcast with Meg Rentschler, episode 136. It's important to remember, even if the client is like, so we get clients that they initiated, they wanted the 360, they're really into their own development. Sometimes it wasn't their choice, like maybe the whole leadership team is doing it. And so they're part of the leadership team. Sometimes there's an issue, you know, it's like, okay, let's do a 360 here. So there's all different reasons that people come to doing a 360. I think as a coach, we need to keep that in mind because it says a lot about their mindset. You know, it's like, how eager are they to get these results and what's their mindset? The other thing to remember is that no matter how they came to the 360, getting feedback is vulnerable. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Hello. It's great to have you here. Welcome back to the Star Coach Show. I'm your host, Meg Rentschler. I know that you have many different podcasts to choose from, and I appreciate you spending time with us and will tell you that you are going to really enjoy our interview today with our guest. And I'm actually going to jump right into the intro because the interview went a little longer than some of my interviews, but it was so packed full of information that I didn't want to take anything out. I want you to completely learn from our guest, Leanne Mallory. Leanne is an executive coach, a facilitator of transformational leadership programs, and an organizational consultant. And what Leanne and I talked about today was how we as coaches can create a space to provide feedback to our clients. And in this interview, we're specific to the 360 process, providing feedback from those above, next to, below our clients, whether it's through a structured assessment or a informal 360 process, however we're gaining that information, we want to be able to provide that information to our clients in such a way that it's received and that it leads to sustainable change. That's one of Leanne's specialties. She's worked in this field of leadership and organizational development for over two decades and has worked with a variety of clients from mid-market to Fortune 500. She's worked with nonprofits. She's worked across many industries. So Leanne is going to share with us some of the structure that is needed to be able to provide feedback and partner with our clients towards developmental change She shares a really powerful story at the end of her interview, so I encourage you to get comfortable and really learn from Leanne today as we share providing effective feedback to our clients. Let's go to our interview now. Good morning, Leanne. Welcome to the Star Coach Show. Good morning. I'm so glad to be here this morning. 
I am so glad as well. So I'll let the audience in on our little secret. This is Leanne and I are meeting again because she was kind enough to give me this fantastic interview and we had some sound issues. So it's taken a little bit through illness and holidays and different things to get back together again. I'm so thrilled to be back with you because this topic that we're talking about today in sharing how we as coaches can be most effective in delivering feedback to our clients, helping them with sustainable behavior change is something I think we all need to hear. But before we even get there, I would love you to share a little bit about your passion for coaching. What brought you to the field of coaching? Yeah. So, I mean, there's a long story and a short story, so I'll condense it and say that I've always had, since I can remember, always wanted to be in a profession where I'm teaching, helping people. I was a social work major at one time. I was a high school school teacher. And so it just feels like it's always been in my blood to work with people and teach. I taught aerobics. Whenever I learn something new, I'm always trying to find a way to teach it. And so just that sharing of knowledge and helping people develop, it's just always been there. And so that is my, you know, kind of how I came to it. It just felt very natural. I've been, I did my coach certification now back in 2001 is when I completed. So, or 2001. So it's been a while and it's interesting to just think about, you know, the span of time and how things have changed for me and how I think about coaching differently. And, you know, as I was preparing for this interview and just kind of sitting with what is executive coaching? Most of the people I work with are at a more executive level. And it's just, it's such an honor to be in a space with people where they're, they're trusting you and they're willing to be vulnerable in the service of being a better leader for whatever domain that they're in, whether they're in a business, whether they're a nonprofit community, whatever it is the person I'm working with wants to make a bigger impact and they're willing to let their guard down and be vulnerable in order to do that. And I just, it's just such an honor. Oh, well, right there. You know, as you were talking about the changes over the past almost 20 years in your evolution of thinking about coaching, I was thinking, wow, that could be a show in and of itself. <laughs> <laughs> that would, you know, maybe I'll have a panel together sometime about, you know, experience, coaches that have been coaches for more than 10 years and just what their evolution has looked like. I'm always thinking about something. But today, we're going to be focusing on this element of how when you're working with these leaders to help them increase their impact and their influence, sometimes what they need is feedback through that. So, What to you is sort of important about being able to provide feedback to the leaders that you work with? Well, there are several things, you know, as you're speaking, again, I'm remembering that the higher someone gets in an organization, the less likely they are to be getting any feedback from anyone. And so having some sort of formal initiative or engagement that's focused on getting feedback is really important because they don't always get it. And even if they're not senior in an organization, in general, people don't like to give feedback. In fact, I know leaders that would rather fire someone 
than to give them feedback because it's difficult. It's uncomfortable for everyone when it's constructive feedback. So because of that, I think it's great to have a formal structure in which people can receive feedback because you can't grow without some sort of feedback. And so for me, that's the the foundation, you know. And another piece of the context is what is that leader or what is that person trying to achieve? You know, are they wanting to get to the next level? Sometimes they've stepped into a new level of leadership and they need to grow into it now. So there's a lot of different contexts. I think it's important for everyone to remember, both both the coach and the person being coached, what's at stake? Why are they wanting to grow? What what are they wanting to learn? And so, always keeping that front and center because sometimes when the feedback comes in, we can get waylaid by it and sink down into it and just start reacting. So it's important to always remember, okay. Why am I doing this? There's something greater at the end of it. So, so you're um, meaning like the leader needs to remember why they're getting the feedback, what the intention yes. is, where they want to go with that. Yeah. Sometimes when a leader gets feedback, they just want to start taking action. And there's a good reason to pause there and remember why they're doing this and not just start taking, taking uh, random actions based on the first feedback that they get. So we want to not only help leaders receive the feedback, but also determine how they're going to implement it so that it's not knee-jerk reaction or it's not kind of willy-nilly. Right, right. So if I think of there's uh, phases of setting up a feedback project, and just to make sure everybody understands that there's, there's formal and there are informal ways of getting 360 feedback, and 360 typically means that the person being coached Mm -hmm. is putting their input in, their boss, their peers, and their team or their direct report. Sometimes customers are included in that as well. It just depends on what what the relationship is there. And so there are like online formal ways of doing that where people fill out, you know, fill out an assessment online. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'll do in person, you know, like I do interviews and I forego the formal instrument completely. Then I summarize the feedback. So it just depends on the situation. Interviews with key stakeholders. Right, Mm -hmm. right. Yeah. And in that way that I'm able to ask some questions, you know, get some more specifics. And so really in this particular interview with you today, I was focusing Mm -hmm. more on using a formal assessment and The assessment that I use is the Leadership Circle Profile. There's a lot of different assessments out there. I've been using this one for about 15 years, and it's fabulous. And the founder also has a couple of books out, Bob Anderson and Bill Adams, that are just fantastic books for coaches to read about understanding leadership. So maybe that can be included in the show notes or something. Oh, yes, definitely. I will include those in the show notes so that people can link with those resources. And I know that we're going to focus on the instrument, but I do want to ask you one follow-up question about the informal 360s that you do, just to kind of close that loop. When you're creating the questions that you're going to ask in an informal 360, how do you go about determining what kinds of focus you're going to have for that particular informal 360? When I'm doing that, I typically have a little bit of information from the either from the client themselves or for the HR person or whoever hired me. And so I will look at that 
And there are just some basic questions as well. So, and I want to make sure that I'm asking every person the exact exactly. same set of questions. Yes. yes. I don't veer from that mm-hmm. because the results won't be as valid. They won't be as legitimate if I'm not asking everyone the same questions. Yeah. Yeah. So I do the same thing. As a matter of fact, sometimes I will actually let the interviewees know what questions I'm going to ask in advance so that they're prepared. You know, and in a interview like that, four to six questions in my experience is about all the, A, that other person is giving you their time be you want to be able to pull together that information and right. be like workable. And it just seems, I don't know in your experience, but in my experience, that's about a 20 to 30 minute interview doing four For sure. questions. Yeah. I usually schedule about 45 minutes, 45 to 50 minutes. And I, you know, I do a good setup, you know, ensuring confidentiality, yes. everybody's getting the same questions. So there's context that's important there, you know, you know, so, so there's that there's a whole different yes, yes. context there. But yeah, it's important that, that there's a context set, confidentiality, same questions are asked, all of that. Yeah. Good. So that's just a little snippet into that. I appreciate you going there for just a second because I know that people have some questions sometimes about, well, how would you do something like that? So that's just to maybe what the appetite there a little bit. And we'll move into what our intention was today in providing feedback based upon a structured 360 process. And in your situation, it's the leadership... Leadership circle profile. profile. Yeah. The leadership circle profile. Yeah. And it's a very thorough... And it's, like I said, I think that it was created 2004, 2005. And I got certified, I believe, in 2004. So maybe it was a little bit earlier than that. But I was one of the first groups to get certified. The founder was still doing certifications in his home. That was a lot of fun. But it's there are thousands of leaders in the database now mm-hmm. that the results are being compared to that normed database. And it's, a, it's just fabulous. It's a very thorough instrument. So what are the things about that instrument that made you choose it? Because as you mentioned, there are many different leadership, even 360s out there. So without, you know, trying to, but just in general, what are some of the things that it covers that made you think this is an instrument I want to bring to my clients? So one thing it's, boy, he's got a really rich base of data or models and tools that he's pulling from, from, um, you know, different psychology, a lot of integral theory and adult developmental psychology. So it's, it's just got a really rich base. I like the way that it's set up and how the results are displayed in a circumgraph. So it's in a circle and it's like the top and the bottom half, the top half are creative tendencies. Mm-hmm. The bottom half are reactive tendencies. On the right-hand side of the model are more strategic or tangible actions, and the left side are more relationship-based. Okay. And really holistic. It's very, very holistic, and it's not just a competency-based tools tool, although it does point to some competencies. It really gets to how the leader is making meaning of the world. So you can look at you know, how they interpret things. Are they defensive and protective 
do they tend to be arrogant or are they tend to please people? Are they overly ambitious and overly driven? So it really starts pointing to some, some deeper meaning ma- making, which, and that's where change happens. So that when a person is really getting feedback on some of those areas, if you can help someone unpack that and see a different perspective, it's a game changer. So Absolutely. So then you talk about getting all this rich information back from the data that people have supplied. And then what are some of the ways that you then deliver feedback? You know, so you've got this client who's sometimes our clients like the feedback they get, sometimes (laughs) not so much. Yet all of it is the potential to kind of grow and learn and develop. Let's talk a little bit about delivery of feedback. That is so good because it's important to remember, even if the client is like, so we get clients that they initiated, they wanted the 360, they're really into their own development. Sometimes it wasn't their choice, like maybe the whole leadership team is doing it. And so they're part of the leadership team. Sometimes there's an issue and, you know, it's like, okay, let's do a 360 here. So there's all different reasons that people come to doing a 360. Mm -hmm. I think as a coach, we need to keep that in mind because it says a lot about their mindset. You know, it's like how eager are they to get these results and what's their mindset? The other thing to remember is that no matter how they came to the 360, getting feedback is vulnerable. You know, it's very humbling no matter what the feedback is. And remembering that and being in that feedback session with them, just being really present, I think, to what you're noticing about their mood, how they're responding to the information. What you're reading on their face. What you're reading on their face. The questions that they're asking, you know, are they breathing? You know, do you need to slow down and just ask how they're doing? So, Being the coach's degree of presence in one of these feedback sessions is really important. You're you're creating a a container. You're creating the space and the environment for the person to be able to really receive it. I think it's also important to know that like most of the time, this is the person's first time to see the information and it can be a lot to take in. So as a coach, I personally, I look over the report three times before I sit with them. So one time I just glance over it, I get a sense of the the shape of the data, where are they high, where are they low, where was their agreement, where was their disagreement, all those kinds of things. And then I put it away and I just let that percolate and I see what questions come up. It's like, oh, that was interesting, blah, blah, blah. So I just, you know, it may be 24 hours that I just sit with it mm-hmm. and then I'll look at it again and I'll dig into where my questions are or really read all of the written comments if there are any, et cetera. I put it away and then I'll look at it again just to kind of do a final check so that when I get to that meeting, I can really help the client decipher what it's saying. I can help them say, well, here's a place to look. I noticed this and this. What is that? Does that say anything to you? Are there any conclusions? Do you see any association? So I want to make sure that I'm really prepared so that I can help them interpret. Let me just ask, at what point do you send the information to the client in regard to the debrief? So if I'm doing an in-person debrief, Mm -hmm. they see it for the first time when we're sitting across from each other. Okay, you hand it to them. Mm -hmm. I hand it to them 
many people I'm working with virtually. And so I will send them the report half an hour or so before we get on the just call. Just time for them to print it out, basically. Yes, or just to look at it online. Mm-hmm. This particular assessment is, can be pretty strong medicine, and it's complex. And so I don't want anybody getting that information and then having two or three days to think about it right. without help interpreting it. I just think that that's, I'm, and I'm really strict about that. I don't give very much flexibility. I'm not going to send it to you on Friday so you can look at it and then stew oh, about it over the weekend. Yeah. yeah. I'm the same way with the assessments that, I, because I, I think that there's, there's a responsibility that we have to be able to help them better understand their data so that then they can sit with it and let it sink in and, and have it have impact. So, Right, right. So then that means in the session that I will, again, give context, set it up, you know, and then I will hand them the report and just give them some time to look over it, however much time they want, up to even half an hour, like if they want to be thorough. Typically what happens is that they look at the circum graph and there's, it's what I love again is that the data, all the data, the graph is on one page and there's, mm-hmm. there's a lot there. So that's what I do in the beginning. Remember that your responses are going to be here. Everybody else's responses are going to be here. Here's how the graph is made. So I make sure. What I find too, though, is that they're not always listening at that point. They just, you know, they're a little bit anxious to get the data. So I do that. They've done that already. I've sent them some information and then I just remind them again. And then I hand over the report and I look over it again at the same time, you know, when Mm -hmm. they're thumbing through it. And then I just start asking pretty benign questions like, what do you notice? You know, what do you see? And it's thing, you know, I want to know, like, where was there, according to the graph, where was their agreement? Where was the disagreement? What were you surprised about? Where is your eye going? So I just ask them some questions that are more observational in nature, mm-hmm. and then we can dig in wherever they want to go. That debrief, I schedule about 90 minutes for that debrief. Okay. So when you are providing that debrief and the person is sort of, it's all new to them, it's they're absorbing it at that point. Once you have kind of walked through the debrief, well, first of all, what are some of the challenges that you might hit within a debrief? For many people, because they're very action-oriented, one of the first things that they want to do is figure things out, you know, like, oh, I know who said that. Yes. They want to oftentimes rationalize, justify, and defend, you know, like why the results came up that way. And so I do ask them just, you know, sit back, just take it in. You don't need to figure things out yet. Oftentimes they want to start building a plan, like an action plan right there. And it's like, just hold on. It's not time yet. It's not time to build an action plan. So I think that they want to start moving on to fixing it, to dealing with it very quickly. And I have a whole process for that. So just kind of holding, holding back you know, holding them back is one of the key things that happens there. And it depends on, you know, it depends on the person. What typically happens is that people go to the low spots. They want to go and see where was my lowest rating? Where do I need to improve? Because that's human nature. 
Mm-hmm. And so I also try to guide them and to be more balanced. So here's where your strengths are. Here's where your areas of opportunity are. And so I want to spend time in that session in appreciation of what's working and, you know, eventually leveraging what's working to fill in the developmental gaps. You know, how can we use what you do well to fill that in? But that comes a little bit later. But okay. yeah. All right. So then you, you complete the debrief and, and I'm assuming that the, the client is left with their report and they're <laughs> right. able to kind of continue to digest it and think about it. What then do you do to, what's sort of the next step of the process? So one thing is that I, the minimum engagement for, if I'm just doing a 360 with someone, we don't have a longer coaching engagement. The minimum is three months. That's the minimum that I will work with someone through this particular process. And that's from beginning to end. So that includes helping them identify, get the, you know, getting the things set up and all of that. But the 360 is is laborious. It's laborious. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And as you mentioned before, you know, when you're, whether you're doing in-person interviews or people are answering something online, people have taken time. Mm -hmm. So, and particularly when I see a lot of written comments, that's always a good sign to me. It's like people are willing to invest time Mm -hmm. in this person's development. And so, you know, whatever that time is that people have taken to fill that out, you know, on the back end, I think it's important that they get some feedback. They get some closure on whatever happened to that feedback that I've given you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the coaching engagement, the instrument, everything, there's an investment of resources. So I think it's really important to develop a plan and create structures so that the person after the coaching engagement is over, whether it's three months or six months or however long it is, that there's something in place for the person to do about the feedback. So, and that plan is laid out before we start. I let them know, here's what it looks like. You know, we need to be at this point by, you know, month two or month three, we need to be here. So I I lay everything out for them so they know what they're going to be doing because one of the key aspects of the way that I do 360s is that, so after we do the feedback session, Mm -hmm. I say, don't do anything. You can read it again. You can wonder about it, but do not start taking action. Don't start changing what you're doing because you really don't know at this point what kinds of behaviors are going to let your raters know that you're what they want to see mm-hmm. in order for them to, you know, rate you better next time? You know, what, what's going to be indicative of improvement? So they get some time to, look, you know, to sit and with it, look over it. how much pushback here you're working with leaders uh-huh. and you're saying to them, and I don't want you to do anything. Yeah. Any resistance to that? You know what? In the meeting, there's no resistance. But by the time that I, but I talk with them next time, they're like, the horse has left the barn, you know, it's like they're off and running and I'm like, hold on just a second, because remember what we agreed that we're going to do is just pick two or three areas that you're going to focus on. Again, looking at what is it that you're trying to accomplish in your organization or as a leader and based on that, where do you want to focus here? Sometimes people will get low marks in areas that based on what they're trying to achieve, 
it's not really worth them spending a lot of time on it. So I really want to leverage their efforts in places that are going to have a big payoff. Oh, that's really important to kind of note because I think the knee-jerk reaction might be, what are the low areas and how can I potentially, you know, resolve those or boost those through my strengths or whatever? But how does that align with what the ultimate goals are? And some of those, as you said, might not even be in their wheelhouse. It might not even be important. And oftentimes when they work on something else, those scores would come up as well too. And so- But they're working on something that's more meaningful. Right, right. And that's what I find too, is that when one area, there's a, a few key areas that when those things, when those areas improve, everything improves. So, you know, better relationships with their direct reports, you know, spending more time developing and mentoring, that has a huge effect. Being more visionary, you know, setting direction. So if they spend more time in some key areas, all of those levels will will come up, you know, having high integrity, you Mm -hmm. know. So there's some certain areas. So we come back for the next session Mm -hmm. and we say, okay, here are the two or three areas. And then they choose a handful of raters. So let's say they have 12 or 15 people that they sent the assessment to. Mm-hmm. One thing I have them do is, is say, I send an email to everyone saying, thank you for your feedback. I've gotten my report. I've sat with my coach. Look for something else a little bit later. So letting people know it's done, I've received it. And then they I ask them to meet again with a handful of people with these two or three key areas and say, so here's an area that I want to improve in. What would I need to do? What would you need to see to let you know that I'm making improvement here? So say they got low marks in listening, just Mm -hmm. for an example, or conflict, giving giving feedback. Mm -hmm. So... Now we're in the process of feed forward and getting suggestions that are going to be more future oriented, not oriented on the past. They've got the feedback. They don't need to talk about the past anymore. Right. Now we're headed to the future. What can I do to be more effective here? And you want specific things like, you know, if it is be a better listener. So what would you need to see in me to know that I'm improving, that I'm making an effort here. And people can give them very specific suggestions. Oh, so important. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that feed forward is a term coined by Marshall Goldsmith years ago. And there's a whole process that he lays out that I've kind of incorporated here. So you meet with these people, you get the feed forward from them, Mm-hmm. And then you consolidate that and then you go back and say, I've received some suggestions. Here's what I'm going to be focused on. And you can choose if you want to send this to all of your raters or just certain aspects to certain people. But the bottom line is that you want people to know what you're working on and ask them to look for improvement. So I'm going to be focused on improving in these areas. Here's what I'm going to be doing watch for that and give me feedback when you see me doing it or not doing it. And that does a couple of things. One of the things that it does is that it tunes the raters Mm -hmm. to be looking for improvement. Mm -hmm. As human beings, we get in our rut what we're looking for. And I'm always going to be looking to validate 
my the story that I have of you, right? Unless you tell me something different, and then the role, and this is where the sustainability part comes in, and then checking in with people on how am I doing, and what I think is really helpful again in the domain of structure is to have certain times or certain people that you ask for certain feedback. So that can be in rhythmic meetings. So maybe as a leader, you're holding weekly staff meetings or you're holding weekly meetings focused on a particular thing. Mm -hmm. After those meetings, you can set up time with one of the people who rated you and say, okay, how did I do? Where, you know, where where did I do well? What could I be doing differently? And so you start building a habit and structure for doing those check-ins. And so you've got people that are giving you feedback and you've got a plan that you're following. Now tell me this, in your experience, how willing are people to give like true feedback to their leaders? They typically have to warm up to it and it works best if the leader will stick with it over time. Okay. So if a person, if one of the people giving feedback can see that the leader's not just kidding, they're not mm-hmm. just doing this one time. And, the and they're leader, not being punished for giving. And they're not being punished. Right. And so as when people start having the experience of that it works, like mm-hmm. this person really is asking for my feedback, they really are listening. I think they got it. And then the next time, if they see that there's been improvement, sometimes, like you said, particularly people who are really have a more like a traditional mindset. Mm-hmm. They're not as comfortable giving feedback to their boss. It's right. Like, it's not not how I was raised. It's not what I'm accustomed to. And sometimes the leader has to say, "Well, here are some areas that where I think I did well. Can you tell me if this was it? And here is a place where I fell back into my own old pattern. Was that your assessment as well? Okay. So really, kind of really giving making them, it okay to give the feedback. Make it easy. Make it easy. And like we were talking about before, this whole effort is uh, for it to really pay off. You have to invest and not just a little bit. You have to really want to keep at it, you know, for, and then as a coach, sometimes I will check back in with people. I just had a check-in with someone a couple of weeks ago. I just called him. I said, how's it going? You know, what's working, what's not working. And, you know, some of the cool things is that we typically are focused on work. And he said, you know, where I'm really having some great payoffs as well is with my family. You know, I'm, yeah, it's really, and again, it's such an honor to be with people there. Absolutely. As as you were talking, I was thinking people who, who sort of volunteer into this, I can imagine being that much more on board than those who are sort of told that Uh all the leadership team is going to do this. You're going to have this experience. How do you handle that different aspect? Yeah, so there's ways, you know, when when the whole leadership team is doing it, including the senior leader, you mm-hmm. know, when everybody's doing, there's there are also structures that can be put in place where everybody is kind of reporting in, you know, so there's some kind of ongoing accountability there and that they're checking in with each other, you know, even like a quote learn, learning buddy you know, like who, who's the person that I'm going to link arms with that I feel most comfortable with. So having some, some of that kind of support. Yeah. Can be good. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what else 
do we need to know about giving effective feedback with our clients by in and in this situation through sort of partnering with that tool? Mm-hmm. Are you saying like the coach giving feedback or them getting feedback once they the oh, formal the, the feedback session helping, helping the client you know, by providing the feedback and then helping the client sort of use that feedback to grow and and be sustainable. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm just wondering what else you might want us to to understand or explore together today. Again, I think holding up their vision for themselves. A lot of times, I will you know bring that topic back up at the beginning of a conversation. So let's, you know, it's been a while since we've talked about this. Let's bring up again what your ultimate goal is, what your vision is, and how you think you're doing. I think people want to often go into like they're embarrassed or ashamed, you know, of the feedback or how it's going. And I think it's important as a coach to be human there and try to head that off as much as possible, even calling out to them. So I notice that you're interpreting the data this way, or I see, is this, how is this making you feel? I'm wondering if you're feeling embarrassed about that. What happens when you feel embarrassed? So there's, there's all kinds of ways when you're in those conversations to just stop and debrief how they're taking the information in at the moment what stories they're making up, what that has meant to them in the past. Mm-hmm. You know, like if they have a past where when they made mistakes, they got fired. It's like, oh, I see that I'm afraid I'm going to be fired or I'm going to afraid, you know, so, you know, really being spacious and kind of following those trails about what, what they're uncomfortable about. Well, Leanne, as we wrap up our time together today, I'm wondering, do you have like a success story of how a leader was able to receive the feedback, and then walk through your process with you to pick one or two things that they Mm -hmm. really wanted to work on, and then how that influenced their impact in the organization. Yeah. So, I mean, there's several. And I, what I want to tell you about right now is a client that I did a, some interview feedback with. Would that be okay to talk about that? Yeah. Because it was one of the greatest examples of humility that I've ever seen. So this. I started working with this leader at a time when his team was falling apart. I mean, there was all sorts of drama. They had to fire someone. They had to move someone else to another team. Trust was broken. It was, it was really bad. So I was working both with him and he was an SVP, former football player, big guy, you know, really, you know, tough high-performing guy. And his team were also, there was only one woman, you know, all men, a lot of them ex-military. So it was a pretty strong-willed group of people. Mm -hmm. So I was going to be working with him and also his team. The first thing I did was these interviews. And there were questions that I had about the team, but there were also questions that I had about the leader. And so the first thing that we did, the first morning that we met is we, I went through the, the data. And so I went through first the feedback on kind of the team and the climate, got people warmed up there talking. And then my client, when it came to feedback about him, we had agreed ahead of time that he would review the data, that he would actually say the bullet points. Here's what you said about me. Oh, so he's saying this to his group. He's giving them feedback. He's he's giving them the feedback he received. 
Yes. Wow. Yes, yes. As we were preparing for this session, I just thought it would be kind of awkward even for me to be saying, giving his feedback with him sitting there and everybody. And so we talked about it ahead of time and he said, absolutely, that's what I want to do. So I had the slides up that had all of the bullet points up there because I had summarized the data and he just read through each one. There were a few pages and here's what you said and it was just silent. You know, people were just... Because obviously there was room for growth in the feedback. Obviously there was room for growth and obviously it was their feedback. Right, <laughs> They right. were the so, ones that yeah. gave it, yeah. And when it was over, he just looked at everybody and he said, I agree with everything that you said. Everything you said here is, is right on and I want to hear your suggestions. Here's how I see it. You know, and he added his story without rationalizing, justifying, or defending. Mm-hmm. Here's what it's been like for me, including I haven't been, you know, I didn't step up in the way that I wanted to step up. So as of today, we're starting the year off. This happened in early February or late January. So it was the beginning of the year and we're, we're turning over a new page and it was beautiful. Oh, and so. Yeah, that and and people spoke again strong personalities but they were willing to say give him suggestions. So we did like suggestions right there together. Here's what you can do differently. Here's, you know. But that says how powerful it was because he opened I mean prior to that who would really like raise their hand and give a suggestion in front of everyone in the meeting but he made it safe. He he made, he made it, it safe. Awesome. Yeah. And he he completely owned it, you know, and he, and what would have happened, I don't think that he knew enough about just how bad it was two months beforehand when things were starting to really fall apart. It was so overwhelming that he he couldn't have done that, Mm -hmm. you know, and so by getting the data, it's like, okay, now we know what we need to do. Now I know what I need to do and I know what we need to do together. And then we spent the next day and a half mapping out a plan for how the team was going to work better together and how he was going to lead and get out of the way. What a great story to wrap up our interview. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, you know, it's just, it's very vulnerable. It's a humbling experience. People have to know that going in and be willing to just sit with that and to take baby steps. So as we close out our time together today, I just want to thank you for sharing the process you walk through with leaders to help them digest their feedback, be able to move forward. I love the whole concept of, you know, okay, so we've gotten the feedback. Now that's the past. And what are we going to do with it and move Mm -hmm. forward? And wondering any final thoughts as we wrap up today? No, I'm, I feel complete. I think that we covered everything. I want to thank you for inviting me in and talking about this. I really, again, it's an honor to be working with these leaders have such big impact, you know, such huge impact on the world and on communities and, and helping them be better leaders. Yeah. It's one of the things that I just love about the field of coaching that when we can go in and help leaders be better leaders, then the ripple effect, then they're impacting more people and 
and hopefully the world's becoming healthier. Yeah. You know, one liter at a time. Yeah. And, and the ripple effect with that. So thank you, Leanne. You're so welcome. I am continually grateful to the guests that come on this show and share their insights and their experiences so that we can all learn and grow. If you'd like to know more about Leanne Mallory or about the resources that she shared in today's show, the assessment, the books that she talked about, those are the links for those are going to be in the show notes for this episode, as well as on the resource page at Star coachshow.com. Now, if you are enjoying our show, I know that you would like more coaches to be able to learn from these experts as well. So I have a big ask. Could you please share the show with people that you think would benefit? I have this goal, this vision to have as many coaches as possible be aware of the Star Coach Show. Just known that we are out there and that this is a resource available such a big goal, I know, but I know I can get there with your help. Another way to let people know about the show is to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. So thanks again for being here. And until next week, this is Meg Rentschler wishing you the very best for your coaching success. Have a wonderful week.